0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church podcast. Praise God, you see seated. Open your Bible at Hebrews chapter 4. Woo-hoo! Hebrews chapter 4. We have been having a look at entering into God's rest. God's rest. Uh, God has established a rest in the kingdom of God. And uh, as I've said at the beginning, when I think this is part three today is that we were talking about the principle of the Sabbath. Everybody say Sabbath. And uh, very often when we have a look at various principles in the kingdom of God, God established His kingdom and they are built on laws. Laws govern the kingdom of God. Laws govern our entire world. Anyone, even if someone says they don't believe in God, they recognize that even this natural world is governed by laws. That's what the whole purpose of science is, is to discover what those laws are. And in discovering the laws, we learn to take those laws and we can use them to our advantage. For example, when you take the law of flight, flight already existed in the Garden of Eden. It's obvious God had already created birds and they were flying then. Isn't that right? Man didn't invent flying. Man did not invent flying. And when the Wright brothers got their aeroplane into the air, flight already existed. They just learned to harness the laws in a way that we could use it for man. The laws never changed. If Adam got it in his mind to build a jumbo jet... He could have, and it would have flown back there in the Garden of Eden if he cleared enough trees to make a highway, a a runway. Isn't that right? I mean, the laws were there. And so we understand the whole kingdom of God operates on principles and laws. And God has designed those laws in a certain way. And when you operate the laws the way God designed them, you'll get God's results. And very often that's where Man loses sight of that when we start to turn those things into religion. That's exactly how the enemy works. He will first of all get you to try and deny God. But if you won't deny God, then he's going to start to have you question everything about God. And if he can't get you to do that, then what he's going to do is say, okay, so you're going to believe this Bible. Well, let's rather make it into a religious ritual. And Jesus said it's your own traditions that actually, if you want to use this word, nullifies. It 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 makes my word of no effect. So by taking even something that exists and doing it with the wrong intention and the wrong purpose to where it becomes just religious ritual, then you lose the power from it. And he says, Well, you can go ahead and believe it, but it's not gonna work for you. But I want the kingdom of God to work for me. How do you say amen to that? So what we need to do is say, Okay, let's take the the religious ritual part of it and let's study the law why did God establish it in the first place what was the purpose behind it and if we understand the purpose behind it you can still land up doing it as a custom you do it regularly but you're not just doing it blindly and because that's what we do you know why do you do that why why do you light a candle every Sunday well that's what we do you know this church we light candles yeah but why What's that gonna? Is there reason behind it? And there are certain things that we do here that just they just you know why do we have nice lights? Well, it's they're part of atmosphere and you know. But whatever we do, we're doing to glorify God. We want to create an atmosphere where God is exalted, where He is the Lord, and we never do something just because the church down the road does it or someone else does it or tradition does it. We want to know what we are doing is purposed in the kingdom of. God. And so when it comes to the Sabbath, the same thing can happen. It's been religiousized, it's been made a ritual, it's maybe a tradition, and very often we lose sight of why God established it in the first place. We see in Hebrews chapter 4, once again, the word says, there is a promise that remains of entering His rest. Everybody say, His rest. So there is. we all understand what rest means. If we're tired, we will rest. Something comes to a stop, we call that it came to a rest. So there's different definitions for rest, but we want to find out what is His rest. Because there's a promise for that. And all His promises are, yes and so let it be for me. I want this rest for me as well. How do you say amen? And then He says, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And so the gospel was preached to them, and the word which they heard, talking about the children of Israel in the wilderness, not being mixed with faith, it did not profit them. So we understand for the word to work, just hearing it is not sufficient. It must be mixed with faith to carry out what it's designed to do. And then he comes down and says, verse 4, He spoke in a certain place of the seventh day. Everybody say seventh day that God rested on the seventh day from all his works. So we know when God rested, it wasn't because he was tired. When God rested, it wasn't because he was now stopping from moving. It was a rest that happened after he had finished all of his work, he entered into a rest. and That's the rest that we are busy investigating. That's the rest we're studying. Because this is the rest we want to enter in. Say amen. amen. Verse 6, it says, There remains that some must enter this rest. For those to whom it was preached did not enter because of disobedience. But Notice he says here that verse 10, He uh, well, verse 9, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered God's rest has himself, say that's me, also ceased from his works, say that's my works, I've ceased from my works, as God did from his. Amen. So what's he talking about here? If we're going to cease from works. Does that mean we don't go to work anymore? No, no, that, no, no. Have you understand God's still in the process of building his kingdom. Of the increase of his kingdom, there will be no end. And so what are we talking about? And that's what we're looking at. Because verse 11 says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Be diligent. Diligence. In fact, one, word, one of the translations says, labor to enter into the rest. Well, that doesn't make sense, does it? You must work hard to rest. <laughs> work at resting. no when we talk about labor it's that diligence in other words there is a rest but I need to understand what it means to enter that rest and we understand that entering the rest doesn't mean that we stop with what we call to do we're still going to continue to achieve what we've called to do but we're going to do it from a place of rest rather than toil say amen amen so then we had a track. We said, well, if he spoke from the beginning, God rested. We went to have a look at Genesis, and we saw the creation and how God did that, and then we tracked it through, and then eventually we arrived at Abraham. Remember that? Last time we were together. And so Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham. Now, yeah, he's still known as Abram. Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great religion. Oh, he didn't say that? He said, I will make you a great nation. Now, what is a nation? See, when we think of nations, we think of countries. But how many of you understand that when you talk about a country... If you go and have a look, we, for example, yeah, I'm speaking from Cape Town in South Africa. We call South Africa a country. And in normal understanding, we would say, well, that's the nation of South Africa. But how do you know South Africa is made up of many nations? South Africa, any country, you take South Africa, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, you name any country, the lines drawn on a map are drawn by man. God didn't draw them. Even if we use a, a river as a border, God had the river run there. But the line on the map, man drew. And he said, this side is country A and this side's country B. God didn't do that. God speaks in terms of nations. Well, what is a nation? Well, again, if you look at a nation... And you come back to the original concept of how nations were formed. Remember, we talk about the Amalekites and we talk about all the Jebusites, and you, can, you start naming nations. What are we talking about? You track that history. Where does the Amalekites come from? A man named Amalek. It, it, and, and if he came from a man named Amalek, that means it was his family. And his family kept growing. And the family had more family. And that family had more family. And eventually the families are so big and so wide, they don't even realize anymore the guy next living next to me is actually family. We think he's just living next door. That's my neighbor. No, he was born from the same great, 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 great grandfather. And if you take all of us here together and you track us back, you take your father and then your grandfather and your great-grandfather and I take my father and my grandfather and my great-grandfather and we track it all the way back. We're going to arrive at one man and his name's Noah. Hello. You and I are, even if you don't even talk in the realm of the Spirit, in the natural, we are from the original seed that came from Noah. Amen. Bump your neighbors. say, I may not look like you, but I'm your family. <laughs> Can you see how the devils try to divide us? Based on the amount of melanin I got in my skin? Hello. What you're seeing is only a reflection of light. It's not about what's inside. Hello. And you, you can't even use anything else. Yeah, curly hair, short hair. I look at anybody with different range of, 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 of uh, melanin in their skin, different hues and colors and things, and yet I've seen people that have got really light melanin, others got dark melanin, and I've seen both sides got curly hair. That's right. That's right. Both sides have flat noses, sharp noses. Sharp chins, flat chins. Come on. Someone looks at someone, then you must be a certain... No, that, that, that's not what it is. And I understand that if you have certain groups get together, even if you look back, remember when Jacob was working for his father-in-law Laban? And Laban was keep on cheating him out of his wages. He says, you name your wage." And he said, okay, if, if, if an animal is blemished, it's got speckles, whatever, they are mine. And Laban said, that's fine. So what did Jacob do? He cut the branch, put it in the water. The animals saw that, and they all started producing speckled. Isn't that right? They all became speckled. And so he got all the wealth. And Laban said, oh, no, 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 we're going to change it. What we need to do, okay, I, you get to keep the clear one. You keep the white ones, I get the speckled ones. So then he just stopped putting the branch in the water, and now they all started producing clear. And so it's the same animal but coming out speckled or clear. So the point that I'm making here is that each and every one of us come out looking different. And so, yes, so certain animals, if they are together, then you're going to see certain colors come out because of the color of the family. So if a whole bunch of family gather together and they are of a certain level of melanin, then their kids will have the same melanin and they will marry kids. And we do that by choice. We say, you too dark or you too light, and I'm not going to marry you. <laughs> and then, of course, if you marry the same as your skin tone, you're going to come out with the same skin tone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. We need to deal with these things. Amen. I just want to make sure that we understand where we're coming from. Yeah. The family God, we must get a hold of this is that, yes, they are different in cultures. We do get that. But that's not reason just because someone thinks differently to me doesn't make them wrong unless they're violating the Word of God. Isn't that right? If the Word of God's our foundation, the Word of God is where we stand. If the Word is yes, that's yes. If the Word's amen, that's amen for us. But the rest of it, we need to get put aside all of our prejudice and just make a choice for the kingdom of God. Amen. Can I get a bigger Amen. 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 So, God said, I'll make you a great nation. He wasn't saying, I'll make you a great religion. See, God's original intention for nations is that that's family. When you see the word nation in the kingdom of God, you see the word family. So you understand that you and I are originally, we came out of Noah, And then those families would separate, and certain families would go in one direction, and that would become a nation. And then the other part of the family went in a different direction, and they become a nation. But if we understood nations, and we understood the kingdom of God, then I would never fight you, because you're family. So God establishes us, and as part of the gospel, and this is where I want to get forward to, just to clear up what I've just said now, is that even though the enemy's got in, and he's managed to use certain traits and certain things that are easily identifiable with the eye. In other words, that you must be different because I can see you different. And he uses that to separate us instead of just being simply, well, you live that side of the road, I live to this side of the road. He creates animosity between us, creates violence and anger. And next moment you have wars where nation war against nation without realizing that ultimately they're still the same family. And so Jesus came to do away with that. He came and died, gave his life, paid with his blood, to settle it for all time, that anything that would ever separate you and me that's in the realm of sin is destroyed. And by destroying sin, by being born again, I'm now born spirit of His spirit. You are born spirit of His spirit. We live in different looking bodies, but we still have the same spirit. So even though even the flesh, we family because of our descent from Noah, they can put all of that aside now simply by being born again, Again, you and I are now one blood, one family, one spirit because of the blood of Jesus. Come on, give Jesus praise if you can see a hold of that. And so now we are the nation of God. doesn't matter what country you live in. You're one nation spread across this earth. Now, anyone that's not part of the nation of God is a separate nation. And we may have natural nations. Those natural nations are, again, as I say, don't just think of country because that's man-made. Man got in, drew a line and says, because you live that side of the river, we now fight. No, what's the river got to do with it? We're still family. Even if you live on another continent. But now notice what he says here. I will make you a great, a great, that's family. Everybody say family. And as a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. Why is God blessing him? So that he can be a blessing. He's not blessing him just so that he can walk around blessed. He's blessing him so that he can be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you. Well, I will bless those who bless you. I'll curse him who curses you. Now listen to this. And in you, all the the families of the earth shall be blessed. All families. All families. So I'm going to make you a great nation. But the purpose of being a great nation is to get all families blessed. So the purpose that you and I exist for is to get others blessed. And the only way to be blessed is within the kingdom of God. Amen? And so if we have a look at the life of Abraham now as we track him, we see that He made a choice. He said, all right, well, if that's the case, you're going to bless me, you're going to make me a great nation, then I will serve you. Up to that time, him and his family were serving pagan gods, sun and moon and things like that. But now God introduced himself to Abraham and said, I'm going to bless you. I want you to understand who I am as part of my kingdom. I want you to be serving within my kingdom. I'm going to bless you and make you this great nation. And then a great famine hits the area, and he goes down to Egypt. And uh, as some of you may know if you've read your Bible, is that as they arrived in Egypt, uh, Sarai was an extremely beautiful woman. The Bible says that even in her old age, like in her 80s, men still desired her. I mean, you know, it has got to be one beautiful, well-kept woman. And... uh, so, when they came into Egypt, uh, Pharaoh saw her, and, and Mo, uh, um, Abraham said, Just make sure you tell Pharaoh that I am your brother. Which technically was true. They were half brother and half sister, they had the same father. And so, but different mothers. And that, you know, they kind of did that back then. And so, <laughs> so they, they married. And it was his wife, but he said, "Just tell him your sister." Because here's the thing: if, if Pharaoh, if they were married, Pharaoh, because he wanted her so much, would have had Moses, uh, Moses Abram executed, and then take Sarah as his wife. So he said, "Rather tell him I'm your brother." And so he did that. And as a result, Pharaoh started courting Sarah. But as a result of that, remember, God says, "I will curse those who curse you." He had stepped into the cursed territory and all of a sudden things started going wrong and he couldn't figure out. Eventually, she figured out, hang on, it's got to do something with this woman that I brought into my house. Things only started going wild then. And so he goes to Abram and says, what's going on? Said, "Well, yeah, well, she's also, she's my wife. He says, what were you thinking? What, what you, you bring a woman in my house and now I could have been cursed by God? And, and Abram said, well, I was afraid you're going to. Have me killed. He says, no, okay. It's sorted it out. And as a result, because Pharaoh recognized where he was, he starts to look after Abraham and starts to give him things. And all of a sudden he has favor. Amen. And Abraham's now learning about how this blessing works. And this favor starts to show up. And look at Genesis chapter 13. Says in verse one, Abram went up from Egypt, and he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him in the south, and Abram was very rich in livestock in silver and in gold. Now, where did he get that? From Pharaoh. How hard did he work for it? No. He's blessed. He's living in the household of Pharaoh. And because of that little mishap, now he's found favor. And through favor, Pharaoh blesses him. And by the time he leaves, he is now wealthy, extremely wealthy. And so he now is traveling and he's, he's left now and he's got his uh, nephew lot with him. And they start growing and expanding and eventually they get so big that the herdsmen amongst Abraham and Lot start to, they, they start arguing about whose cattle should be eating of the grass and all of that. So Abraham realizes, hang on, the contentions getting too much. So we need to separate. Now he's already stepped into this place of the blessing. So listen to what he says. He says to Lot, you make a choice. You decide which way you want to go. If you want to go that way, I'll go the other you want to go that way, I'll go this way. And so, of course, Lot looks in the natural. And he looks across the plains and he sees that one side is very fruitful. And the grass is always green. And it's wonderful. And he says, I'll take that land. And Abraham has no problem with that. He says, that's fine. You go ahead and you take that land and I will then go the other way. I'm saying this because I want to show you how this rest works. He's now made a choice to go the way he wants to, opposite to what Lot. Lot chose what visually looked the best, and Abram went the other way. But notice, after Lot had gone in his direction, God shows up to Abram and says, now, as you step into the land opposite to what Lot chose the best has been taken but I want you to look now in the other direction and as far as your eye can see as far as your eyes can see I'm giving you Lot took only what he could see. And there was just this little bit of land with grass on it. But now because there's no trees and bushes in the way, Abraham can see really far. And he says, all that land is yours. And wherever you walk is yours. Oh, hallelujah. This man now has a blank check to property. Am um, you ready to walk on some property? I decree some of you are going to walk on property, and you're going to walk on and say, "This is mine." And God sees that, and He hears it. And eventually, what happened was I'm just fast tracking. Lot was then captured. Remember, he was there was that uh, war, and they captured Lot and took him and all of his household. Word gets. Back to Abram that his family has been kidnapped. And so he gets 318, the Bible says, of his trained servants. I mean, Abram's not a military man. He's, he's a farmer. Takes 318 of his trained servants, 318. And he conquers these kings, gets back lot, gets back all the goods. And the first thing he does is he goes and presents himself to his priest. And it says in Genesis chapter 14, verse 18, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. Now bread and wine is the sign of the covenant. That's your covenant meal. And he blessed Abraham and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. And Abram gave Melchizedek a tithe of all. What's the tithe? 10%. He gave him 10% of all. This is when people argue and they say maybe tithe is under the old covenant, the the law. No, Abraham wasn't living under the law. He is a man living as one who serves God. There's no religion yet. There's not even the, the Jewish nation yet. This is Abraham without a child who's heard God will make him a great nation. There's no church to go to, but he has this priest, Melchizedek who's serving God, and he takes a tithe to him. Now, I want you to listen to the wording that Melchizedek used. He blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who's delivered your enemies into your hand. Now, notice we got Abram of God, and then we got God most high. And God most high is described as the one who's delivered his enemies into his hand. How is Abram of God most high described? The possessor of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. Doesn't the word say that God has given the earth to man? Yeah, we see that God is saying that he is giving heaven and earth to this man you got to see that. I'm going to track it. I'll show you. You've got to make sure you keep coming back because we're going to see these things from the word of God. But the point I'm making today is that he has blessed him, said he's going to make him a great nation, and that he is already the possessor of heaven and earth. And in that blessing, Abraham responds and gives a tithe of everything to this priest Melchizedek. Whatever he received... Is given one tenth. Then you come down to Genesis chapter 15 verse 1. After these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Do not be afraid. I am your exceedingly great reward. Say that God is my great reward. At that moment, Abraham says to God, "I hear you." So he's now seen God's blessing. He's seen God move on his behalf. He's seen God bless him, multiplying him, increasing him. And God says, "I'll always be with you. I am your reward." And he says, "If that is so." Who do I leave this to? I don't have an heir in my house. And God promises to give Abraham his own son. Now at this moment, he's 75 years old. Everybody say 75. He's told at 75 years old, he still hasn't got his own son. Sarai has been Barren up to this point. And now God says, I will give you a son. 75 years old. Look at verse 6. And he believed in the Lord, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Everybody say, accounted for. Now, family of God, you and I know that until we're born again, we cannot be righteous. Righteous. Only when we're born again are we made the righteousness of God. So that could only happen when Jesus died and rose from the dead. He was made to be sin so that we might be made the righteousness of God. And yet because Abraham believed what God said, it was accounted as righteousness. He got it on credit. He was as righteous as you and I today. Because with God, there's no time in the equation. Jesus hadn't yet died physically, but the point is he was crucified before the foundation of the world, and in God's mind, it was done. And because this man believed he could take something that would only happen in the natural, in the future, but in God's mind, the fact that it will happen in the future means that it has already happened, and the fact that it has already happened, then I can call this man righteous today because he believes beyond the cross. He believes, and it's counted to him as righteousness. Family, what does it say in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6? Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him didn't God just tell Abraham I will be your exceedingly great reward I will be your exceedingly great reward what did Abraham say well he heard if you my reward and you said I'll be a great nation how am I going to be a great nation if I don't have children The fact I don't have children, and you said I'll be a great nation, well, then I need an heir. And the fact that he said I need an heir, God says, this man figured out that if I've given a promise, then that promise must have a natural manifestation. And the fact that he figured out that he would have a natural manifestation, and he was bold enough to ask me for it, the fact that he asked me for it registered, with God as faith. And without faith it is. It's not difficult to please God without faith. God would prefer it if you used faith. No without faith it is impossible to please God. So Abraham moved from just hearing a promise to saying I believe. And in that belief he said then, then you must give me a son. And God said Because you have said it, I call that righteous. Family of God, you can't act righteous. You can't do less wrong to become more righteous. Righteousness is when you say, I believe. And it's saying, I believe you, number one, you are, believe God is, and number two, believe He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. See, right there, if you can get that revelation, you're going to move out of religious tradition into the kingdom of God because religious tradition has taught us to just accept our lot. You know, whatever God wants, whatever he says, whatever, and which is all true. I only want what God wants. I only want what he says. But we've got so nervous of asking God for anything because we don't want to appear like we need anything. But inwardly, we do. Inwardly, we need it. Inwardly, we still want it. But religiously, no, no, no. And Someone can hand you a gift. Someone can hold something out. No, no, no. We don't accept charity. <laughs> Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? We've got a, someone wants to give you a fridge. No, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't take that. You see, that's, that's how the world works today, is that uh, through religion, try and make us nervous of asking God for anything. Because we think if we ask God for something that could be carnal. But God has already said, He's given you the kingdom. The kingdom of God is yours. And the day you believe that and believe that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. There's your key. Because if I'm seeking God, then I only want what He wants for me. Then the selfish ambitions are put aside, the selfish need for things, me just to get stuff to get it. No, I need that for the kingdom of God. If I need a building for the kingdom of God, if I need a vehicle Amen. for the kingdom of God, if I need finances, if I, whatever I need to extend the kingdom, I say, God, it's going to come through you. Amen. It's going to come from you. Amen. You are the rewarder. Amen. And I'm trusting you as the rewarder. And that's exactly what Abraham did. He believed God is his rewarder. And God said, then I'm doing it. Now, how come that would work? Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Abram, I'll make you a great nation. He didn't have a son. He didn't have. He said, someone that lives in my house, I'm named as an heir. It wasn't even his own child. But when God said, I'll make you a nation, he could see. If that is the case, then I must have a son to be a great nation. Amen? But we are going to have a look at that. How did Abraham rest? How did that work? Because you're going to see how he tried to do it in his own strength. Try to make it happen. He worked, first of all, and that didn't work, did it? And so we're going to see how that tracks until he see faith. Yeah, and the man stepped into faith, and it pleased God. Family, God, you don't have to work hard to please God. You don't have to struggle and strive. You don't have to battle. How can you be more righteous? Well, I've got to work hard to be righteous. No, just believe God. He's given you a promise. If you see a promise in the Word and you dare to believe, say, Lord, you said, therefore it is mine. The moment you do that, you step into that place of righteousness which pleases God. When someone says, I believe, you get the smile of God. Amen. Amen. Do you get something this morning? Come on, let's give Jesus praise for His Word. Let's stand together. Place your hand on your heart and say, Today I heard the word of God. And that word has brought faith to my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. As I hear the word of God, I believe it. And as I believe it, I act on it. And in acting on the word, I walk in righteousness. Just as Abraham believed, it was accounted as righteousness. The day I believed in Jesus... I was made the righteousness of God. And God is my exceedingly great reward. I believe that. I can see things that he has promised, even though I don't see it in the natural. I believe it is mine. And in believing it's mine, God brings it to pass. That's the promise of his word in Jesus' name. Amen.